everybody. Welcome back to Fanatomy Podcast. The Fanatomy Podcast. Fanatomy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, my name is Adrian Ash, and I am the queen of the shit show around here. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, so today we got the episode with Blair Clark, my wonderful friend who plays the keyboards and does some vocals in Native Station. Um, this really rad like R&B, rock, alternative band out of Denver. Um, Blair is one of the most incredible musicians I've ever met and definitely one of the best keyboardists for sure. Um, but Blair wanted to talk about the band Duran Gray. And I was like, I've heard that name before, you know? Like, I've, I've heard this band mentioned to me by, like, kids I went to high school with and, like, one thing I always noticed about them was that everyone who was into them was like really, really into them. And I just, you know, immediately when she, when, when Blair wanted to talk about Duran Gray, I was like, absolutely. Cause like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know anything about this band, but I know that they're very weird. They're very interesting. They have a very interesting fan base and I just couldn't wait to dig into that. So um, I did my research. I listened to a bunch of Duran Gray. Turns out they have so many records. They have so much material. They've been around for such a long time. And I had no idea how prolific they had been during that time. And I was I was really just blown away. Like some of it's kind of goofy and out there. Actually, all of it is. That's That's why it's so cool. But it was really, you know, it was really great to just get to get to check out yet another band that I had never given the time of day to that someone else thought the world of. And that sort of thing is exactly why I started this podcast. And I just want to give a quick thanks to Mr. Johnny Leftwich for taking care of the production end of things, doing all the editing, um, taking care of the Patreon. It's It's been really rad to be able to work with him and, and make this thing. And I hope everybody really enjoyed our episode together talking about Norma Jean. Um, that was a real fun episode. That green room episode was really fun too. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool ride and I can't wait to share the rest of it with you guys. So, um, thank you so much for, for supporting this show. And, uh, if you really like it, you can feel free to share this episode or the show itself on any social media, any, any stuff like that. Um, if you really, really like us, we have a Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash fanatomy. You can get access to our show, The Green Room. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, we got some merch over there. We got some t-shirts, we got coffee mugs, got some stickers, some fun stuff. But yeah, um, head on over to the Patreon if you want. If not, we're just really glad that you're here. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And I hope you enjoy it. So yeah, I, um, I'm going to hop off this microphone. I'm going to give it on over to my friend Blair Clark from the band Native Station as we dive into Darren Gray. Yeah. Could you like just document like what name and pronouns you want us to use for this? Uh, yes. Uh, so my name is Blair Clark. The pronouns that I would like to be called by are she or they. Okay, cool. I just wanted to be sure to get it right because that shit's important. Oh, yeah. Well, hell yeah, friendo. Welcome to my show. Yeah, I'm super jazzed to be here. I've been looking yeah, forward to this and also been super anxious about it all fucking week. So. Oh, yeah. What are you anxious about? Everything. I don't know. Like hearing myself talk is really weird. And even though like I've sung and all that for like many things i can sit myself in front of people and do all that i don't know like it's weird being like one-on-one -on -one with somebody and like talking to them yeah yeah for sure it's kind of like the difference between playing like a house show and playing a packed house not a literal packed house like a full big professional venue or whatever you don't pack houses i don't know i used to i miss playing house shows a whole bunch <laughs> Uh, yeah, those, those shows were great. I miss I miss house shows a lot. Those are like some of my favorite shows. Yeah, did y'all ever think, play any house shows? I think we played a couple, or we played, or we just played like really like small like area. We played weird, we played weird shit before. What was her name, or what was their name? Someone I think Abe was seeing something like that. I forget. 
man, I forget. But we played like in a shed, like in Fort Collins somewhere. And it was like not the most glorious thing, but it was so fun because everyone was like super into it. And it was like maybe the size, like half the size of the room that I'm in. Like, oh, wow. (laughs) It was great, but I don't know how we crammed. It was in Fort Collins somewhere. I just forget where it was. Do you Um, remember whose house? See, that's what I'm trying to remember. That's who I'm trying to remember. And I'm like, it was somebody's house. And it was a real small like shack. Yeah, yeah. But what was their name? What was their name? If you hadn't noticed, I'm like really terrible with names, but I remember faces like so well. It's like the worst thing on the planet. Because then someone's like someone in my band is always is really good with names. Be like, oh yeah, Cheryl from down the street that works that's been working at the Chiba Hut for like the last six years and had a kid like. They wanted to say hi, see how things were going with this. And I'm like, how do you remember all of this? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, see, if I I do better if I... All right, so if they would have just said Cheryl, I would have been like, who the fuck is Cheryl? But if you would have given me all that extra context, I might have gotten it if oh. this person, I'm not sure. It, it kind of... I totally understand what you're talking about, like remembering people's faces better than their names. Mm. And also like specifically because... And it's gotten way worse with the pandemic, but like mm. just... I remember everyone, I'll tell you what, I remember everyone by like their Facebook name and their like profile picture on Facebook, because those are the people that I typically interact with Mm -hmm. just on a more often basis. Like you have your people that follow you on Twitter that like, it might be like a different set of people, Instagram, different set of people, but some overlap, but like. Facebook is like the people that a lot of the Facebook people that I'm friends with are like people that I interact with in real life sometimes. And so I have a better time remembering people's names and faces if I see them like together all right, the time. Right. But it, yeah, I the other thing is I may be friends with someone on Facebook, but not remember anything about who they are. And But if they message me like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I was at this one show and you played and you guys were really sick. And I was and, and then I'll know. I'll typically know. Or I met you at such and such place and was there. If I got that background info, it's easy. Right, it's easier right. to figure it out. Yeah, I, I feel like if I have more background info, then it's easier. But half the time, this person just throws their name out there. I'm like, who are you talking about? And then they have to give me more context going forward. And then sometimes I still don't know who they're talking about. So maybe it's just a memory thing with me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible. Like, How old are you? Uh, 29. Okay, yeah. I, I just turned 30. So I'm an elder now. Like, I'm a punk <laughs> elder. Are you? Let really? me tell you. <laughs> Like I'm 30 years old and I feel I still feel like I'm like 20 and yeah. I, I and I feel like an imposter in this world of adults where I'm like supposed to know things and, and have my shit together. And I'm just like sitting here YouTubing how to check my oil and whatever. I <laughs> yeah, I feel like I like people think I have it together, but I really don't. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And it's the worst. At some point in our lives, we like slowly decided that we were going to start appearing to to know what we were doing or trying to appear like we know what we're talking about. It's all the facade, isn't it? Like you got to put up the front and then behind the scenes, you're freaking out. Yeah. Or you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you like have kids and then you go on vacation to Disney World, and then you retire, and then you travel around in an RV for a couple of years if you don't have a bunch of debt, and then you die. That's what you're supposed to do. That's America. Nah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. No. That's why we uh, do what we do. Which is a great segue into... <laughs> Yeah, okay, so now that we're thoroughly into the meat of this episode, or (laughs) I should say the the sustenance, whatever protein you consume, we are in the middle of it. And yeah, so I just wanted to to circle back to who you are, why I'm talking to you, what's going on in your head right now. So your name is Blair Clark, pronouns she or they, and you play the keys and sing beautifully in Native Station. Nah, I just scream at people in Native Station. Otherwise, yes, I play keys in Native Station primarily. And then I yell at people and that's about it. We're a Longmont, Colorado band. 
and we've been around for about four years, something like that. Cool. Interestingly enough, I think the band in and of itself was founded right about, I think our bands were founded right around the same time. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like you 2016 said 20- ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I joined like way later. Oh, right on. I am not the I am not the founder of this band, but I enjoy being in this band. It's very fun. I'm glad you're in that band. It's a cool band, and it's and it's you're a great addition to it. I didn't know of Native Station before I met you. Like you were literally my window into your band. So I'm stoked that you're in Native Station. <laughs> I've seen you play. You are a keyboard shredder, and you have so many awesome influences and i'm actually glad the way that you described native station you're like okay this is the band this is where we're from this is how long we've been together because i don't have to do the q a thing i hate it when it feels like a q a like where's your band name from right and then, like, and then how it's long like have you whole, been playing like we're not professional journalists here we're just gonna go and wing it no nah, i'll tell you what this is this is a thing i started because i was bored and i'm not allowed to hang out with people this is the i think this is the first time i've actually hung out with you since this whole thing started aside from that live stream yeah yeah there was that one show that we did at seventh circle and it was your band aaron incoherent and us and mm. that was a really fun show that was I remember Jude and I were, we were talking about that, Jude and I were talking about that show after it happened and it was like, wow, we're, we played in a room with other people in it Mm -hmm. and that felt really cool. Like most of the room was cameras and shit, but it, there was a couch where people were sitting on and, and had masks and stuff and it was still like a really small gathering, but it felt really special and really intimate because we were essentially just like playing music for other musicians. Mm-hmm. And it was a live streamed show and it was a lot of fun. And I really hope that video of that exists, actually. Oh, might... yeah. I think Aaron posted it on the Seventh Circle YouTube page. So it's oh. I think that he chopped all of it up. So of it's all three separate. Did. Yeah, he's he's the archivist, right? That's what he does. yep i loved talking to him about that because he's just got piles upon piles of tapes and like shirts and everything like he he, that darren is a very cool guy (laughs) he's pretty cool he's pretty cool he's he's been so fun to interact with i haven't had as much interaction as i have with you or anything like that but he's he's super fun yeah he was a lot of fun to tour with too. Like he, Aaron is a great role model to follow when you're on the road too, because like he, he does this thing where he'll go into the grocery store and he's just an example of how to take care of yourself on tour. Cause he will go into a grocery store and he'll get like tortillas and hummus and like a green pepper and a jalapeno and maybe some like celery or something. And he'll just wrap it up and eat it. That's what he eats like for, and he'll, Yeah. That's just what he eats. That's (laughs) so much better than how I was eating when we went on tour. And it was like, I don't know. Maybe I should take a leaf out of his book. Yeah. And (laughs) you try not to eat like meat or dairy or anything on the road. Like you're pretty much just eating like French fries the whole time. Like you're eating French fries, candy, and soda. I have my share of junk food that I peruse through too. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I know that one of my one of my vegan friends was like the day I found out that Oreos were vegan was one of the worst days of my life. <laughs> I, I know so many Oreos. Was, I I can definitely <laughs> empathize with that <laughs> for sure. So I do want to ask, like, at what point did you come into Native Station, or and like how much of it was like established? before you came in like how many of those songs were already there like how i know that you add a lot to the band live and like on the recordings and stuff but there's there was obviously some material before you and i was just like sort of curious about that so the first the first record i had played on or put any like actual keys work into is an album that is no longer on streaming services aside from Bandcamp. Uh, it's called Shifty the Harvest Sessions. All of the every single pretty much one of those songs was written aside from maybe one or two before I uh, showed up. So there was about I think when I joined the band, I had to learn about an hour and a half 
two hours of material, something like that. And all of that had been written before and before I came in and I had to like put my keys parts in there where they would make sense. And a lot of it was just me following the guitar uh, chord progressions. And I didn't actually start like writing my own like melodic phrases until about until after that was recorded because we just wanted to sweep all that aside and be like, all right, we have a new lineup. We can't just keep playing like and recording songs like this so we have to actually be intricate and actually have some like we have the foundation but we need like everything to have its place which right. we didn't before it was just i was just crammed in there which it works but not exactly the kind of uh thing that i've been want that i wanted to do uh, insofar as the band yeah yeah whenever the songs and the material already exists and you're like tasked with trying to put something to it when the original song didn't have a, a keys part or call for one at all like it's hard to contribute to something that already is concretely in existence and i i find that i imagine whenever you would try to play those old songs maybe what you would do would fit but maybe maybe it's just like struggling with playing on the song as opposed to playing with the song like play yeah i feel like interesting now because we still sometimes play those old songs and it's actually been more fun to like experiment with those old songs and make them craft them more into the sound that we have now versus whatever weird like indie vibes we had going from before because our sounds changed quite a bit since we started to yeah yeah i don't even know what to call y'all i just <laughs> every time i see your band it's okay so this dude's playing like an ESP eclipse with like EMGs in it, but they're like playing these really soulful pop songs. And then Blair's over here, just like shredding the absolute shit out of this keyboard and just like flying all over the place. And then also has this post hardcore energy and around <laughs> her with the way that she just like bops and stuff. And then the front man, Greg is just like doing his thing and he's just dug in and like, he's got a great rhythm sound. And then the rhythm section is just, just locked in with each other and has, it's just such a, an eclectic band, but mm -hmm. a sound that is, is unique, but really works. There's just so much. Every time I see y'all perform, it's just like a new surprise and, I, it's the same songs, but there's just so much that I appreciate upon each new listen. And yeah, I, I'll stop rambling, but like your band is good. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> we try very hard. It's a lot working with that eclectic kind of sound, too, because like we all have different influences that are starkly different from each other. And it's like some of us listen to metal. Some of us listen to like country, hip hop. Like we have so many different influences and we all managed to cram all of those into one band like okay it's... well now you got a dish like you got to tell me who listens to what oh goodness or at least try <laughs> i would say that i listen to well i'll start with me since i'm on this podcast but i listen yeah. to a wide like variety of things i like very strange music very i don't know i listen to so much i listen to metal i listen to pop music on occasion i listen to a lot of math and progressive rock i've li i listen Hell to yeah. class i listen to classical music operatic and otherwise i don't know if you know this but i studied classical voice for like several years before i wow. moved out here i didn't um, know that that's really cool so you you know how to do like vocal harmonies and stuff like that Eh, I don't know about that, but it works. And I, I think growing up too, because I think I started playing music when I was 10, growing up and like playing various instruments throughout my life, I've just gained an appreciation for so many different kinds of music, jazz, classical, and like hip hop, all kinds of things. So in regards to my, in regards to my good friends and companions, let's see, Greg listens to a lot of, he listens to a lot of like pop music a lot of contemporary rock music he's been listening to a lot of nothing but thieves lately from what i understand what's um, nothing but thieves they are they're like a pop rock band from like the uk or something like that but he really likes their their harmonies and stuff and how they their songs just like balloon into this like really like warm and like hard-hitting chorus. He's That's been listening, cool. Yeah, he's been listening to a lot of that. I think Thomas listens to a lot of hip-hop and a lot of... Uh, he used to listen to a lot of metal. You can hear it in his playing when he plays uh, lead guitars. He, he used to listen to a lot of... Oh, what's that guy's name? See, this is where I forget names again. I think the band was Racer X. Oh, yeah, Paul Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Gilbert and a lot of the speed metal guys. He used, to, he used to practice speed metal guitar a lot. 
and just sit for hours in his room just playing speed metal. Yeah, okay, so I'm definitely gonna say that I got that. Like, you don't get that kind of guitar. That's why I was so perplexed and intrigued by your band, (laughs) is because you don't get a guitar with EMG pickups and not at least some metal, because, like, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're very hot pickups, and, like... Oh, they are, yeah. They're traditionally known for doing one particular type of thing. So to see you know, to see those pickups in that guitar in the hands of a person in a band that like is just so different from who you like, what you see, usually stuff like that being mm-hmm. played with. I don't know. I'm screwing up my sentence, but usually those <laughs> kinds of guitars are used for like super heavy metal stuff. And like to see one in a poppy R&B type band mm-hmm. is really cool. <laughs> It's interesting, that's for sure. And what what else? Let's see. I think Casey is the more is the oldest soul out of all of us because he listens to a lot of country and oldies and things like that. And then Brett listens to a little bit of everything. He actually listens to a lot of punk music. He used to be in a punk band, from what I have been, from what he told me in the past, which is interesting to me because I wouldn't have gotten that vibe from him if I had met if I just like just met him today. I wouldn't have gotten that vibe from him really. So when's the uh, Native Station hardcore record coming out? <laughs> I always joke that we're either going to release some like really extravagant like progressive rock record or it's going to be like, I don't know, just some weird shit. You don't know what we'll do. I don't know what we'll do. You're going to make stuff that sounds like Maximum the Hormone. That'd be sick. That'd be yeah. sick. They're one of my favorite bands. I don't know if I told you that, but they're one of my favorite bands. No, you did not tell me that, but the fact that you wanted to talk about Duran Gray on this podcast told me that. Yeah, you know, they're like similar veins. Like they're definitely separate, but like they mm-hmm. have a lot in common. Oh, they do. They do. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it's fair to say that you are really into Prague. Yes, right? very much so. I listen to a lot of Yes and Genesis and all the oldies, of course, but I feel like progressive like math rock has definitely been my thing especially lately i don't know what i like about it maybe it's just growing up playing so much jazz and stuff and hearing odd meters and things like that but i really like prog between the buried and me things like that a lot of metal yeah yeah i really like prog and stuff too it's just it's sort of one of those things where i have to be in the mood for it i'm sure you could say that about any kind of music but like, i gotta go there like i gotta prog is not something i'm gonna put on the stereo when i'm like going to the store right <laughs> i might throw on like you know a punk playlist on shuffle if i'm doing that but if i'm taking a walk and i'm gonna be doing something for a long time like i list in general i like to listen to albums at a time like a full record because that's just i it doesn't skip it around with a bunch of like different tones and like different volumes and different just settings and stuff it's just it doesn't agree with my autistic brain it doesn't feel good to just jump around so much but whenever i've got like some time to just sit with some music and really dive into it and ignore everything else for a little bit that's when i like to listen to like proggy stuff yeah, that makes sense, which you got to have like, the time. Yeah, you have to have the time. Definitely. I guess segues into uh, talking about Deer and Gray today, because I've spent a lot of time just trying to sit down and understand this band, because it's in a language that I don't fully understand. They don't really sing in English very much. It's rare, I guess you can say. Yeah. So for a language that I don't necessarily speak, but I've also I've been drawn to, I guess, like the theatricality of that band. It's definitely been interesting, an interesting ride. Dude, I like I, I was listening to so I started watching I watched this video that was like a compilation of like most or all of their videos. Mm-hmm. And like I noticed a, a really respectable progression along their career. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I noticed about all of it was like, holy shit, the stage show. Yeah, like, the stage you know, show is fantastic. There there were a couple of things I noticed about it. The musicianship the evolution of the songwriting and the stage show like those Mm -hmm. things really and like they they were always really good at all three but as you as anybody does with music they you grow and you refine your sound and you like focus in what you want and you take out the parts that like maybe don't fit as well as you thought they did before and Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Deer and Gray, that's a wild ass band, (laughs) (laughs) aren't they? Yeah, because they start as this weird, like, 
punk-esque like pop band and if you listen to them now with stuff that they've with stuff that they've definitely if you listen to them now with the things that they've done recently it's like deathcore basically mm -hmm. deathcore with some like pop ballads in there which is and drop a guitars yeah i yeah so i really did i think the song was like ranunculus or that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i saw that video and i really liked that video and I, I liked a lot of what i saw in those videos but like i could tell by the time they had gotten to that territory they had really just they had narrowed it down they like that they, they'd kind of it, it it still was experimental and weird and like you could tell there was a lot of time and effort put into the songwriting but like mm -hmm. it felt like the tones were on point and like the mixing and the songwriting and like a lot of the independent elements just really feel like they congeal very well in that later material yeah, with the and the the later material, I started listening to them. I think in high school, about two thousand nine, which is also coincidentally the first time I ever saw them in a live context. Which, if you have the chance, you should go see them. They're fantastic. Totally. But when I first started listening to them, I think a high school friend of mine who was also like gothy and weird was like, "Hey, you like Japanese music? You should check out this band." And she sent me a, I'm still friends with this person. They're fantastic, but I digress. They sent me a music video for uh, Obscure, which is probably one of their most infamous songs because the music video is just super like gory and weird and very Japanese. And they, that's when I first heard them and I watched the video and I was like, what the fuck am I watching? I, this is so strange to me. But I couldn't help but be drawn into the world of how like weird and how like shocking it is, which they're very much a shock rock band with like lyrics and like the theatricality and just like how much gore and like the topics that they discuss in their music videos and such. Really? They're not all friendly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was reading like some of the lyrics on Macabre and mm. like the, the English translations. And I was like, damn, first of all, okay holy world building batman like this is a manga <laughs> in text mm -hmm. form like this is an anime and audio and that was the other thing like watching their videos i was like okay this is like a live action anime with a bitchin soundtrack like that's what i that's what i feel when watching their videos a lot of the time because mm -hmm. like the hair is just like the hair oh, yeah it's super that whole <laughs> that if you don't if you don't know this that whole style of like the 80s vibes is a whole like movement in japan it's like it's like punk in a way, but it's like punk came 10 years late to Japan and but everybody adopted it because it's what made you stand out, which I find interesting that they picked it up to be like visible and then they discarded it for a <laughs> while, adopted a lot of Western like songwriting, a lot of the heavier metal genres as they continued through their discography. And then they recently adapted it again which the uh, the metal portion is what the first album i listened to and um, that would be ouroboros that's my favorite album by them uh um, yeah it's a good record it's a great record it's probably one of the records where i was like oh the first track on this record is just them like talking about or the first track on this record is just super heavy bass and then you just hear screaming and like all kinds of weird like demonic noises and i'm like wow this is gonna be a great record i'm super jazzed for this and then the first like actual song by the whole band is like nine minutes oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a nine minute escapade into guilt and if you watch the music video for that it uh involves a lot of world war ii footage and interesting things like that it's good <laughs> it's good i was, I was just my favorite record <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of letting you like go on about it because to tell you the truth, I don't know that much about this band because like anybody who doesn't speak a language, I didn't really listen to their music. It's like hard for me to listen to a lot of Rammstein and stuff too oh, because it's right. all in another language that like I can look up what the lyrics are, but it's hard to 
it's hard to dive in and get yourself to get into it. I think what got me to sit down and get into it was just listening to the record because I think that record was the first one that I bought. And I was into kind of metal in and of itself at that point, but I had never like straight dove into it like I did with that record. I think that record, like that first, the first nine minutes of that record really blew me away. And I was like, wow, like the guitars are like harmonizing so well, but like, the thing I don't think I like most about the band is just the amount of space that they use because it'll be like, all right, we're in this really thrash metal part and then we're gonna, just going to cut out the guitars and all you hear is like drums and vocals and that's it. Like mm -hmm. there's space. There's nothing really more vocal things being said, I guess you can say in what is and what isn't spoken. I don't know. See, now I feel like I'm rambling about this band. It's pretty funny. <laughs> that's why we're here. That's, yeah, no, I, that's oh, perfect. I know. I, know. I, I guess the theatricality is what really what drew me to it because like they really discuss like topics that aren't necessarily this is how I feel about a topic. Like a lot of American music is like I feel like where it's this is how I feel. But with a lot of their uh, with a lot of their topics, it's OK. This song is about guilt. Like we have this song about guilt. But what denotes guilt? Is it like it's not a black and white issue? Because I think in that particular song, the topic of the narrator is really just, oh, I committed these atrocities, but I'm not like a bad person. So should I like just not be able to live as myself because like I'm an evil person? Would killing me really be like a justice kind of thing or would it just be cyclical? More of a cycle. I find it interesting because it's kind of we're going to bring up this topic, but then you can like like most musicians, you can take what you need from it or what you interpret yeah. it to be as a thing. And with since we were t since you were talking about Macabre earlier, that whole song is like another 10 minute fucking extravaganza, but it builds upon like this the whole song is like this builds into this like it starts it's like, like an insect pu like pupating and blooming into what it actually is, which is terrible. And the song like progressively especially and i was watching a live video of it like recently from a few that they did a few years ago and the way they utilize the uh drop a guitars are really cool because i'm like this sounds so much like darker than it like used to i don't yeah know what happened between you guys playing like these like older songs in a newer style but it the uh, the composition in a live context was very interesting to me and I don't know. I love this band so much. Well, <laughs> I can't really describe how I love this band. Go ahead. No, that's, you know, th just what you were saying. It's uh, trying to quantify all the things that you love about your favorite band or one of your favorite bands. It's it's both really easy and really hard because you want to be like, uh, because they're the best band in the world. Right. Right. There's everything about them. Like, why? Not? Yeah. How can you not see this? But like, on the other hand, it's okay, well, I need to talk about this lyric right here, this story, this mm -hmm. world building, this stage show. This... But one thing that you said a second ago was how they use up so much space and just how much space sort of plays a, a role in how they construct things. And I think that could be said for a lot of really great artists. It's all about dynamics. Oh, of course. That's something that a lot of heavy bands could really learn from is like the use of dynamics. And I think that's one of the things that I've tried to strive for in my music is not only just dynamics within the bigger picture of the project, like you got to have some loud parts and some quiet parts, but within the microcosm of a riff, if you have, it's going to hit less hard than if you put some space Right. Where things can lock up and you can create some emptiness. Then whenever you come in with something really full and punchy, mm -hmm. then it just makes the song come to life that much more. And then whenever you're able to do that with parts of a song or like timbres on an instrument or mm -hmm. the way that you construct your vocal melody and your like vocal intensity and things like that, that that can really elevate the song as well. And then when you have like full songs that have like dynamic shifts between this type of song and like another type of song on the record, these are all things that that work together. And that's one of the things that progressive music or like prog as like the people tend to call it in music. Right. That's one of those things that that genre does really well. That's one mm -hmm. of those things that bands like the contortionist and Darren Gray and between the buried and me. It's one of those things that they all really 
strive for and attain because you have to have you you have to know how to fit everything in and if you have two or three guitar players a bass player a keyboardist a vocalist and a drummer like everybody is going to want to show off at some point right right so the way you mix things and pan things and the way Mm -hmm. you set up the stage live the way you construct the material Mm -hmm. it all just it adds up to what can potentially be really cool or just feeling like everyone's shredding all over everybody else and there's 10 people playing 10 different songs yeah and i feel i feel like with deer and gray especially with in regards to like the stage show they really nail it in terms of i don't know i guess theatricality is just like my vibe today because just what i'm about but like they have huge screens in the back like behind them just showing like all this imagery that will correlate to the song or correlate to the general vibe they want to go for pyrotechnics and all that jazz like the classics but i feel utilizing that space and using the lights and everything to show that if something feel is like dark for example and they're talking about like darkness and then the lights just shut off and then the room itself is dark that's rad. Like, I love seeing shit like that. It's so cool to me to just see how a live show will interact with the lyrics as well as as well as the music itself. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like in that way, I guess imagery is like super important to music. And I guess a lot of people don't really realize that how important like an image is like, right, both realistically and metaphorically, like you can use an image and I guess in so many ways. And personally, I really love how expressive music can be. Like, you obviously express yourself through music in different ways that I do. But like those different modes of expression are super like interesting to me and like how different people utilize it. Yeah, because whenever you create art that is meant to be performed on a stage, a lot of people. So that's like the never ending false dichotomy debate that like happens a lot within music and heavy music and Mm -hmm. prog music in particular is okay well it's about the music man it's all about the music i can dress however i want and look however i want on stage and i'm just gonna it's not about it's not about that it's about the music and it's yes but (laughs) people aren't people want to hear the music they can play the record Exactly. People, like if I, people want to experience an experience, they go to a show. Yeah, I don't. I don't go to shows or anything for the. Uh, if I want to like just listen to a record, I'll just listen to a record. Like it's not anything, a fucking you know? recital. Exactly. And I honestly, I don't know if this is your favorite thing, but my favorite thing to see is when like professional musicians fuck up. Yes, it's like my favorite thing to see, and then they get angry. I'm like, oh, cool. Like. I'm not the only one that like gets pissed off when I fuck up on like a keys riff or if I play something out of key. It's like my favorite thing to see, like just people being like, oh, well, <laughs> fuck. Or they have to start the song entirely over because they fucked up. And they're like, yeah, so, we so didn't. So you like the schadenfreude of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, though. It's fun because it's uh, it's not something that happens all the time because right. shows nowadays, especially like with backing tracks and a lot of bands are playing the clicks now. It's not it's like a happenstance thing that doesn't happen like super often but when it does it's it's one of those moments where you're like oh yeah i was at this show and that's only something that happened at this show it's not something that just happens yeah and my thing is so i almost think less of a musician if they fuck up on stage and they get all pissed off and like smash shit or they get all pissed off and just like pout because oh, I'm like, yeah. I don't, yeah, because, you know, you're at a show, you're on the stage, it's mm-hmm. your show, you're controlling the mood of the entire venue. Right, right. Like, everyone is looking at you. And if you're in like a 10-piece band, there's still nine other people that's, there's still nine other people doing their thing that can cover your ass, right? Oh, yeah, but totally, like, totally. If I fuck up, I try and like, jazz my way out of it, where I'm like, oh, I made that sound bad on purpose. Don't think that I did this. I'll play out a key until I can get back in key and then you know yeah play out of key and then you got like the modulation knob too so you can just like (laughs) make it just make shit sound like weird until i make it sound like i did it on purpose but i fuck up a lot actually i don't tell people this but i fuck up a lot playing me too that's part (laughs) of the live show but you're also a great performer like 
you you could fuck up a lot and still put on an amazing show like Sid Vicious was in the Sex Pistols and toured everywhere but that's a bad example because like his bass I don't even think was plugged in for half of those shows yeah but the point is the performance right the point is the performance mm-hmm. exactly you if you so the thing that like makes Darren Gray so huge and well known is not yeah first of all their music is just like intense and jam packed with stuff and very passionately created mm-hmm. and there's something to be said about just like taking the time to even have the ability to play that stuff let alone the ability to create it from the ether and write it out of into existence right and but on top of that they have this stage show that there's a screen And you can do all of this without fancy equipment, right? Mm -hmm. It's what you wear. What do you look like on stage? Did you do your hair? Did you, if it fits your vibe to show up greasy and like gross, then hell yeah. If you're in a stoner metal band and you have long greasy hair and look like a wizard, you're in your (laughs) element. But if you're trying to like actively engage a crowd and you're trying to play this music that is like really has really long complicated songs Mm -hmm. and you show up in like a t-shirt and cargo shorts like (laughs) no one it's a boring thing to watch unless you're just absolutely ape shit and just running around all over the stage and your appearance is purely a form of practicality so you can be very active then that's a whole other thing then you're presence on stage shifts from like your appearance to your activity and like those two things can interact but they're both very important if you walk on stage in a ridiculous outfit and it has the potential of going one or two ways you could be the dude from you could be the dudes in Darren Gray and really own it and be like yes I have hair that is two feet tall and I look like the dude from Yu-Gi-Oh but look at how awesome I can play guitar right or whatever like, but like you can either walk in and throw down or you can just like it's it or it can like totally backfire on you and that's all people remember you for yeah, yeah. Or like, you can uh, be like, what's uh, his name? Corey Feldman. You could do the Corey Feldman thing where the stage show is like very wild and intricate, but the music is abysmal or pop- you're just not good. I was going to say, who's that popular like American artist who has like tattoos all over his face? Oh, goodness. I forget his name. That's it's not, like, really it's super. <laughs> I know it's super broad. <laughs> I know it's super broad, but. Oh, my God. See, I can't not, remember anything. I don't know anything. Anything that I'm not super into, I just. Like Tom McDonald. Or, no, I don't know. He's We're going like, to start naming names. Post Malone. Yeah, it's Post Malone. See? Was it there Post Malone? Perfect. Okay. Yeah, Post Malone's like, cool, though. He's pre- he's cool, but I can't get into his music. I don't know why. His appearance is all I remember about him. But did you like, hear that the song that he did with Ozzy though? Like I thought that was sick. Like he did two songs with Ozzy, and I thought they were pretty cool. I I think I heard it in passing, but I was like, oh, this is interesting. But I never actually looked it up to see who it was. But yeah, like the uh, it's a raid song. It's it's the music video is a cartoon. He sings on it. I don't know. It mm-hmm. was cool. I liked it. I think what we were saying is like the the stage show is like equally as important as the music when it comes to a live show. And like you, if your band doesn't look cool on stage, then what are you doing? And my and I guess since we're here talking about music, I think the the efforts of like light designers and things that shows like. Is taken for granted, and I don't think people realize exactly how intensive, like putting together a light show and things like that, is because it mm-hmm. uh, it's really intensive, and like it's a lot of people to make like music venues and shows like that work. Like I think in I was actually googling it. I'm like, oh, how do tours in Japan work? And a lot of the staff will give you like a form to fill out for like your lights and what kind of sound you want do you want any like effects on your voice during a certain part of a song they'll give you a whole form to fill out before you even like step on stage this is just like the day of the show like you come like hours beforehand and you fill this out to see what exactly you want what color lights do you want what color like how do you want strobes on these lights at this time and it all like coalesces into this finished product so even if you're like a local band you come out looking like a professional band that's been doing this for years because that light right. show really adds to your performance. 
Um, yeah, that that was something that I had heard. I've heard this in, in a few places. It's been on like podcasts for musicians, like trying mm-hmm. to get better at their craft. But yeah, actually, that's mainly where I've heard it. But hiring a lighting director is like it's the thing that separates amateur bands from like super pro bands and there's a lot of other factors too i don't want to be reductive but the thing is when you take great music and people who perform well performing that great music well and Mm -hmm. then you add a lighting director on top of it the whole atmosphere changes like you're able to go not to say there's anything wrong with the vfw hall shows with the lights on and the music is just rad and people are just enjoying the music there's nothing wrong with diy or any of that stuff but like when you start playing bigger venues with lighting setups and with professional sound setups like having your own sound person and having your own lighting director are like that's just a level up because if you got somebody that tours mm-hmm. with you and knows what you sound like and knows what you need it's going to be way more consistent than showing up and just like expecting this sound guy who mixed a bluegrass band last night a, a country band the night before that and a classic rock band the night before that like trying to mix for your like 10 piece prog rock band it's you're not going to get the best results and then also the lighting director might do some stuff they might be attentive they mm-hmm. might not but like right. if you have your own person that knows your material that's that's it's a bit more expensive and you have to take more people on tour and pay more people but if you're really smart about it and like you hire somebody that knows what they're doing that's just that's an exponential the coolest thing that i have ever seen from a band that we played with that was from canada they had their whole setup they're like okay we're playing 45 we're the touring band but their whole setup was MIDI. The light show was controlled by MIDI. Their guitar changeovers for patches controlled by MIDI. Everything was like through an axe effects and like pretty. It was pretty rad to see. And they're and I was like, are you guys like signed or anything? They're like, no, we do this all ourselves. Like we mm-hmm. just put in the work, which you could do it that way, too. You put it in the work and you put in the money. Yeah, there's I'll just call myself out right here. Like I've played on broken and used and borrowed equipment my Mm -hmm. entire career. Right. Because like I'm broke (laughs) and especially with plasma canvas, like just having a band with two incomes like Mm -hmm. to pay for everything. Right. And then having a really awesome, responsible bandmate who like takes care of all the money. And it's it's nice whenever you're a band like the one you were referring to. That's mm-hmm. a big risk. It's a big risk to be taking. Yeah, it's a big risk to be taking uh, to to be like a DIY band that's put all of this time and money into not only buying this equipment, but learning how to use it, learning mm-hmm. how to integrate it and learning how to set it up over and over again for every single show. Oh, right. And that's such an investment for, oh, yeah, we do this ourselves. We're not signed like we don't we don't have any people like helping mm-hmm. us out or anything. That's a lot of passion to put into a project. Yeah. And honestly, I think like a lot of their passion kind of rubbed off on me because I was like, OK, if the if these guys can do it, like anyone can do this, like you just mm-hmm. have to you just have to have the drive to want to do it. And you don't even need like a fancy light show or anything like you can literally just start doing music like today. And that's I think that ultimately like seeing other people do it and being like, that's fucking cool. I want to do that is ultimately why I started doing music in the first place. I think it's why most people start doing music in the first place is because they see someone else and they're like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. I want to do that. And I never like really have said this to anybody, but I think seeing Deer and Gray in 2009 is ultimately why I was like, oh, wow, like this band is amazing. I want to be like in a band this amazing or like at least try because something like this is just so cool. And I want to be able to like do this thing that I'm feeling right now for other people, if anything. Right. And that's why I'm in a band. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And something that I thought about, it's it's sort of a testament just to the devotion of their fans and mm-hmm. their their sort of philosophy because like a band, so I'm going to make this comparison again. So Rammstein is a band that sings all of their songs in German. Right. And they do that because A, that's the most expressive language that they have the most access to, mm-hmm. and that's what they've grown up on and that's what feels comfortable to them. And because fuck you that's my language and but they put out i think 
it may have been like a record label decision or something, but they put out an English version of Du Hast. And wait, really? I had no idea that was yeah. a thing. I yeah, I don't know what's up with it, but it's bad. Well, I'm not gonna say that it's bad. It's just it was still the same song. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was. <laughs> it just hit different. It's like very... whenever. I think it's very, it's played very straight. You know what I mean when it's in English? Because I, there's a video game series called, in English, it's called Yakuza, but in in Japanese, it's called Like a Dragon. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm on this app for language learners since I'm learning Japanese right now. And I was like, oh, I played this game. And then a lot of the Japanese people were like, wait, it's called Yakuza in overseas. And I was oh, like, shit. yeah, isn't that, and I was like, yeah, isn't that hilarious? They're like, yeah, that's hilarious. That's that's like calling a game mafia when you're mm-hmm. playing like a game about being in the mafia. Like it's too and someone's like, Yeah, it's too straight. Like it's too straight straight and like narrow and not as like eloquent as it could be. Which I feel like if you try if you take one a song in another language, you have to try and carry that nuance over as much as possible. But with right. that Rammstein song of Duhas, I don't think that's really possible. No. And that's sort of the point that I was getting at was it's not only do Dyer Dyer and Gray. Is it Deer and Gray? Dyer and Gray? Dyer and Gray? It's Deer and Gray. Deer and Gray. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not only do they sing in Japanese because that's their language and that's it's it's a multitude of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a a thing where this is what I grew up speaking. This is what I know how to speak. And Mm -hmm. also I shouldn't have to speak a language that like every like a lot of other people speak just because a lot of other people speak it and I could potentially sell my music to those people right if they're really into the music they'll get into the culture surrounding the music via the lyrics if they want to dig that deep and like they can come to us that's mm-hmm. sort of what it feels like to me is sure they could write songs in English if they wanted to try to right. appeal to like American or British or Canadian or whatever audiences. And but then they wouldn't be doing what they set out to do. They wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. And that's the most important thing is to be always making the art that you feel genuinely within you needs to be made. And mm-hmm. and then there's also the so what if a lot of other people in the world speak this language? It's not ours. Fuck you. This is who we are. This right. is our thing. You come to our show like we're going to speak Japanese because <laughs> that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they were one of the last professional shows I went to go see in 2019 before COVID became a thing, aside from yours with Against Me. That was the uh, that was the uh, the last show that I had seen before COVID happened. And there is like sections where he'll just stop singing. He'll ask the audience to sing and the whole audience like was singing in Japanese. It was pretty rad to see. That's Um, so cool. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't think this would be a thing outside of like being in Japan was like people singing like the the Japanese words to this Japanese band that is not very popular here. And I saw them in a pretty small venue. Like they can sell out pretty well because they're one of the bigger acts coming out of that country. But it's just, it's cool to see like we got here on our own merit singing in our own language and we don't need to like cater to like English audiences just by singing in English. Yeah. And then the other thing is just because they sing all of their songs in their native language does not mean that they like they have people they they have the ability to communicate with the venues that they're Mm -hmm. playing, obviously, like for logistics purposes, they probably speak a lot of them probably speak way more than one language. But, you know, what you were saying about we came here with this art on our merits, on our terms, and Mm -hmm. that's why so many people are so like feel this music is so special to them Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i'm i haven't i don't listen to them as extensively as i used to but i think whenever i go back to this band because i was like i don't know what band i want to talk about when i'm doing this episode but i was like well i never get to talk about dear and gray so i'm going to listen to dear and gray and then i listened to it within the highest quality that spotify allowed and i was just blown away all over again i'm like wow like i forgot how good this is and there are some little things that i just never noticed there's a there's a song on the i think it's on the macabre record where at the very end of the song there's a gunshot sound effect and that sh- that shot goes from one ear through the other ear so it's like you 
got oh, shot cool. and it's crazy and i had never noticed it before i don't know if that's because just the quality of the tracks that i had at the time but i never noticed it until i listened to it like a week ago and i was like oh my god i never noticed that. that's like genius like yeah it's an incredible production move for mm-hmm. sure and i was like well how did they do that and then that starts a whole train of like me like trying to be like, well, I want to figure out how they did this so that I can do this thing because that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I really enjoy about this show is you never know who's going to want to talk about what. Like Stephanie Byrne from Cheap Perfume Mm -hmm. talked to me about Taylor Swift. Can you believe that? Like the most awesome riot girl band. Mm -hmm. I guess it makes sense. But like it, it was cool. And the thing about this show and what I'm trying to do is it's not only just about the specific band that we're that we end up talking about. It's about right. the person I'm having on and their relationship to this music and how it influenced you. And I can see like your technical prowess has been influenced by bands that are are in the proggy like area of things. Mm-hmm. And then also your stage presence is is dynamite. It's awesome. <laughs> and you just have so much energy. But it's it's also an opportunity to talk about the wider world of the genre that said artist fits in. When Abe was on the show, Abe wanted to talk about AJJ. And so we mm. ended up not only talking about AJJ, we ended up talking about the folk punk culture in general. And mm-hmm. as, as far as and we also talked about just music theory and like theory versus playing live and stuff right. like that, too. Right. But I enjoy the opportunity to not just talk about one specific thing, but also have that specific thing be a gateway into a wider appreciation for an entire style or region or scene of music and and art. So the fact that you wanted to talk about Deer and Gray is cool because I wasn't sure if I'd get a chance to really (sighs) dive into things like Prague and what makes bands like them special. And they're not even like solidly that band is weird they're like a very experimental band but i guess that's why with my band i feel like the experimental part of it and we're gonna do this thing and see if it sticks and then people are like i don't know what i was listening to but it was great it's kind Mm -hmm. of how i feel about listening to this band like going in experimental weird routes isn't like strange to me but there's so much expression there that i feel like people don't realize like i listened to i think i was listening to something the other day where it was like oh this person wanted to explore feedback so literally the song is just two tape two tape loops going on and feeding back from each other and they recorded the sound and that's it Hmm. and it sounds really weird and high-pitched and annoying and most people would be like, why do you listen to this? And I'm like, OK, but what makes it what made this so interesting to that person that they thought that there was expression here? And yeah. I feel in terms of especially music, like there's so many avenues that you can take expression from that maybe you won't get, but the person next to you will. And they'll take something from that. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about the music itself. There's You can always learn something from music. When you see a band that you really like, as a musician, what do you do? You like try to pick apart the things that you like about them so you can rip them off. Right. And so you can like sort of not necessarily do exactly what they do, but you learn things that you appreciate about other artists and you integrate it into your own style. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you see a band that you don't like live or if you see something you don't like, you you realize okay well i appreciate this about it i'm not super into that mm-hmm. and you can take from it what you want but there's always something to learn one way or another there's always right. something to either appreciate or just say this is not my thing i but you can always sort of see where they were going with it or you can attempt to see where they were going with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i think i think it's interesting too, like just how i don't know expressiveness is so cool mm-hmm. it's so cool i don't know there's some people I've heard where they're like, I don't like really listen to music. And I'm like, how can you not listen to music or find that expression that of something you would like there? Like, it's so strange and like benign to me that because this has been like my entire life. Like, I've been doing this for so long in so many different contexts and ways that it's just not something I can understand. But I'm sure that there's something that person likes enough 
to where they're like super gung ho about it and just like into whatever that is. And will I understand it? Probably not. Can I learn something from it? Absolutely. Yeah, like they're they might be really into a specific kind of tractor or, <laughs> oh, you don't like cars? Well, then, oh, OK, well, every it's it's like. I was talking about this with a friend the other day, mm -hmm. and I never know how to talk to people who just don't listen to music. But I've met plenty of those people. But it's like they probably have something that they really dig that I just don't even care about at all. Oh, what's your favorite kind of car? Oh, the one that gets me around. Like the, <laughs> right. the one that gets me from A to B. It's not really something I think about. I don't have a preference for cars. I think classic older looking cars are cool, but I, I don't sit around and look at cars and be like, damn, that's got this kind of engine. It's just not a yeah. thing that I care about. Other people, it's just, mm -hmm. we learn these things about other people to try to understand them about other people. Mm -hmm. My brother's like that, actually. He's like, oh yeah, I got like this new engine for my car or whatever. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're talking about at all, but I'm glad you're enthusiastic about it. Yeah, I'm it's, just uh, stoked. It's Jude and I talking about, so the drummer of Plasma Canvas has a horticulture degree and mm -hmm. really loves plants. And I could give a fuck less about plants. Like I am not a plant queer at all. Like I'm not, <laughs> my old roommate had a shit ton of plants and mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, cool, that's rad. I like having plants in the place where I live, but I don't ever want to be responsible for taking care of them. Yeah. But it's something that there's something that is beautiful about just being passionate about something enough to have strong opinions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but anyway, I just I think that's a beautiful road that we went down. But getting back to Deer and Gray and sort of wrapping up here, I wanted to ask, like, specifically, what is if you had to pick one Deer and Gray album, that's your favorite? What would it be? That's hard. That's hard for me. I like all of their albums for varying reasons. Considering I made it like my internet handle for so many years, I think Ouroboros is still like my top. If I had to pick another one aside, I'd probably pick their most recent one, The Insulated World. It's uh, I feel like it's a culmination of everything that they've done so far with their more with the take on this sound that they have now. But uh, Ouroboros is still my top. I have two copies of it. I, yeah, I love that album to death. I always end up revisiting it. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't listened to this in a while. And then I'm like, this album is amazing. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you absolutely love that record and <laughs> that you absolutely love Deer and Gray and wanted to come on to Fanatomy and gush about it. Because no. that is why this show exists. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, I, I always get so happy whenever I have other like trans and non-binary folks on my show, just because mm. there's just such a level of connection that I don't always get from everybody else. And so it's, it's been a pleasure having you on Fanatomy Podcast, Blair from Native <laughs> Station. Anything you want to plug, like anything you want to shout out before we roll on out of here into the green room? I guess since I'm here, I'll shout out to Aaron Say for letting us play at Seven Circle again because we're doing that at the on the date of this recording shout out to you for being the true homie adrian <laughs> let's see what am i plugging we're on spotify pretty much anywhere you could find native station on the internet nativestationmusic.com feel free to check that out and we plan on putting out new music later this year so cool. thanks for listening to fanatomy it's been super fun. Please check out the other episodes. As of this date, I've only listened to episode one, which is the only one out right now. But I'm <laughs> looking very much forward to listening to Abe's music theory discussions with you because that sounds like it would be really fun. It truly was. And I'm uh, I'm so excited to to show everybody more of this show because it's it's been a very hefty labor of love. But Johnny and I really have put all of the love into it. So I really appreciate the kind words. And I am so honored and happy to have had you on Blair. Hell yeah. Let's rock on over to the green room. Let's do it. All right. See you, everybody. Patrons, come find us in the green room. And that is our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Gosh, what a fun, what a fun little ride. <laughs> it, you know, it's always cool to, to, to hear what someone else hears in a certain band. But 
I'll tell you what, Darren Gray, Darren Gray, Darren Gray, Darren Gray, it doesn't matter. They're a really cool band. Um, you know, I'll be honest, it's not a band that I would go to if I wasn't pointed to it. And I'm really glad that I have my friends come on this show and point me to different things that I would not have otherwise listened to. Like Stephanie pointed me to Taylor Swift and I was like, okay, fine, sure. I'll listen to Taylor Swift. And I'm really glad that I did because I loved that record folklore that we did. And today, you know, talking with Blair about Darren Gray's album Macabre, you know, it was it was really cool. You know, like there there was just so much else going on besides Macabre in in that band's career. But, you know, just zooming in on that one record was really cool. Just hearing how far Blair had just dug herself into it. That was really neat. And you know, it's that exact kind of thing that I want to hear on this show and that I think other people who are listening want to hear too. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Blair. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, our patrons, for supporting the show. Um, I can't wait to to show you all the rest of the episodes that we've got lined up. So thank you so much for supporting us. Please continue to support us and check out the rest of the stuff. Feel free to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, we're going to continue making things, and we're so glad that we have support from friends and, and listeners and all that jazz. Yada, yada, yada. This is the end of the show. Thank you all so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day or evening or morning or afternoon or whatever. Anyway, my name's Adrian Ash, and this is Fanatic. Die